Hi, I'm Hannah Durden and you're listening to the Outdoors Group podcast. This podcast is a call to arms to get children and young people outside again. It's your one-stop shop for all things outdoor, child, young person and education related. Thanks for tuning in. Today I'm delighted to be joined by Molly Mary Simmons, the woman behind Where Wildlings Flow, a Cornish-based endeavour that delves into forest school, nature workshops, map making and treasure hunts with children and young people of all ages. She's agreed to come and talk to me about her journey to forest school and why an emphasis on the seasons is woven into everything she does. Thanks for joining me today, Molly. Hello, lovely to join you. Thank you very much for having me. Um, I'm going to start by asking you how you found yourself on the forest school pathway. What were you doing before and how did you stumble upon this way of being and this way of learning? Oh, goodness gracious me. Okay, so... (laughs) Uh, when I came into forest school, I didn't actually know that being a forest school teacher was something that you could go into. Um, oh. I was studying sustainable event management at the Eden Project oh, three wow, years ago now. I know it was it was incredible. It was wonderful, um, and I'd done seven years of event management before, but it kind of lost its meaning because I don't know. I felt like I needed to learn way more about the environment and make sure I was doing the best that I could with events that I was putting on and they had more meaning and they were more wholesome. And I don't know, I've always been drawn towards children and animals and um, a more natural way of life. So I thought, oh, this way I can expand my event management knowledge, but in a much more nourishing way. Um, And whilst I was there, um, I made friends with Tim Smith and I started working for him at his treasure hunt museum, doing map making. and whilst I was at the Eden Project, um, this I remember I was a space queen um, and this lady came up to me. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> it was, it was brilliant. It was, a, it was an award ceremony for a foster care company um, and everyone was being congratulated for how well they'd been doing. And the lady who ran it is in fact my boss now. Um, okay. And I've been working with her for two and a half years. Um, I work freelance myself, but she's one of the lovely people I work for. Um, and I just remember her coming up to me and she said, have you, have you ever thought about being a forest school teacher? Cause you'd be wonderful at it. And I was like, no, I have, I haven't heard of that, but that sounds, that sounds solely rooted to how I am. So I yeah. remember keeping her in mind and I was living in Totnes at the time and she was in Cornwall. So I finished my course and worked at the treasure hunt museum. And I thought I'll get that sorted, um, before I get really caught up in forest school. Um, but I suppose before all that it actually started seven years ago when I came up with a character well not came up with a character I'm gonna sound bonkers but she came to me in a forest in Devon um, in Cockington Woods actually Um, yeah a lovely little place of thatch cottages and I was just going for a walk and I heard this name flow and I ran home and I was staying with my sister at the time and I just started squiggling down like images of her and about cartography and map making and treasure hunts and all this stuff was like coming out of my mind and I had to get it all down on paper and I wondered why it had all happened um so for the past seven years I've been teaching myself archery cartography which is map making um I've been writing a book and I've kind of I say I've become the character but I am her it's just more like a more like extended version um like flowers in my hair. I don't, we haven't actually met whilst I was doing my course, but I'm always wearing flowers in my hair. 
and I always forget and people always go oh are you off to a wedding and I'm like no no this is I just it's just part of me now it has yes. been for years um and so yeah so I started writing the book and I didn't really know where it was going it just felt like it was going to be this lifelong adventure um and then when I heard about forest school I thought gosh this is a way of like continuing to be entirely myself but able to like share that with children and yes, other yeah. lovely people and it just felt like it was um I don't know it, it was all meant to come together at some point um oh, and it came together naturally I didn't I, di I didn't go oh I'm going to be a forest school teacher it just kind of it flowed um pardon pun but it just that's how it happened and I, I it do think life like that isn't it it's uh it is. the universe comes together I think in weird mm -hmm. ways <laughs> it really does really wonderfully yeah so it yeah. was a natural occurrence so it wasn't it was never like a career plan um no. and I don't I, I'd say it's like a soul plan like it feels you know how Tolkien spent his whole life writing books I yeah. just feel like this mini little pixie like just uh, the the life is going to be a little adventure and if it's encapsulated in a book or treasure hunts or map making or nature workshops however it comes together I just like to gently share it with everybody and oh, that's, that's see a beautiful, beautiful answer uh I know you did your leader training with us a few years ago at our site in excellence yes. um, I'd love to know how you found that course and what was the main thing that stuck with you from that week in the woods so for those listening, oh, the first school leader training is a week in the woods and then a year of coursework so that week is how you kind of kickstart it yes <laughs> okay so the course, I, to be honest, I wasn't too sure what to expect because, as I said, it was completely new to me. I'd done event management most of my career and I, I'm obsessed with nature. I'm fanatical about it. I'm curious all the time. But I, I, was, I felt quite out of depth because I didn't know my tools. I didn't know ropes. I didn't know, you know, there's, there's particular things you need to know that are vital yeah. to being a former school teacher. And I was completely curious and willing and up for the challenge, but it was entirely new to me. Um, and I remember meeting Annie and Neil, who were wonderful, um, and the rest of the team. And I don't, the week that I spent there, I came away every day because I stayed with my mum in Tynmouth whilst I was doing the course. Because at the time, I so oddly, when I lived in Totnes, I studied in Cornwall. And then as soon as I moved to Cornwall, I studied in Devon. Devon. <laughs> so I couldn't, I, I can't detach from either. I adore both no. counties. Um, yeah. and just made it more challenging for myself <laughs> but that week I felt like I learned so much more than I ever done in a lecture um, yeah. and I think it was because I hadn't I didn't go in thinking I'm going to learn too much or it's not academically intimidating it would just I would either get it or I wouldn't and I and I yeah. got it and I was really I don't I don't know it just being around like-minded people and we all wanted the same thing but we all came from different backgrounds I mean I look I looked a bit balmy when I first rocked up because I was a little <laughs> bit late and I drove down in my old beetle and I came through with flowers in my hair um, I had a basket full of treasures and flowers and I think people were like has she lost her way um <laughs> she, doesn't, she doesn't look like the average forest school teacher um and I sat down and everyone was so welcoming and lovely. And I remember we all had to introduce ourselves. And I would say, hello, I'm Molly, love to meet you. Um, I've never been a teacher, but I started something called Direction of Flow, uh, where I go around with a bow and arrow and I do treasure hunts. And Neil just looked at me and smirked and he went, 
are you the lady that goes around Totnes Woods with your bow and arrow just gallivanting? And I was like, um, <laughs> that could quite possibly be me. That's and amazing. he was like, yes, I'm, I'm sure I've seen you before. And that was kind of a really lovely feeling um, that yeah. he'd caught me off guard. Like, yeah, that, I'm sure that probably couldn't have been anyone else. So, yes. yeah, that <laughs> probably was me. Um, Neil and Ali, Annie were wonderful. So uh, they just had a really natural way of teaching everybody. And they both yeah. had really good humor as well. So I think, and they, they, you could see that their relationship was beautiful. So that just repelled on everybody, um, like went to everybody else and everyone yeah. felt like a big team. And I don't know, it was just, I think one of the most nourishing weeks and I felt happy the entire time. And I was exhausted every day at the end of the day because I'd taken in so much and it was so physical as well as mental and but it was like the most nourishing feeling and it just felt like that's where I was meant to be, meant yeah. to end up. And it just, it felt wonderful. And it was yeah, really. I was going to say, sometimes I pop down to the uh, the courses while they're running and um, I don't think I've ever gone down there and not just felt like I was being welcomed into this really kind of nourishing atmosphere. Like every, every yeah. cohort, it just, they just seem to have such an amazing time each and every, every time we run one of those courses. Um, and it's they great. They do. The uh, the uh, variety of people attending, like you can get people. From yeah, everyone's walk. everyone's entirely different. Yeah, which is just wonderful. But everyone's entirely different and wants to do not the same thing. They want to add their own magical way of weaving forest school into what they do. But yeah, it's just really lovely to see so many people wanting to do such a beautiful, wonderful thing. It's it's yeah. coming together authentically, and I th yeah, I think I was honoured to be on that course yes yeah I loved that's it. exactly how I felt yeah well it's, not... it's clear from uh, talking to you and from looking at some of the content you put out because I love your Instagram feed it's so beautiful oh um, thank you but you obviously um being in touch with nature and the rhythm of the seasons is really important to you and um, can you tell us why that is okay so Sorry, question <laughs> <laughs> it's I'll try and encapsulate it so when I work with the seasons, um, I base it on a theory called the phonology wheel. So I, and also I love working with my hands and heart and that's always something I ramble on about in my posts. Um, and like weaving a tapestry of tales, but physically with nature. Um, so with a phonology wheel, it's a circular journal of like earth observation through the seasons. And yeah. I feel that at the beginning of every term and the beginning of every season, I find it really helpful and important to um I've created phonology wheel templates and I give them to all the children and it's a way of them to keep a journal throughout the year and observe yeah. nature because I think there's a lot that people can easily miss about nature um or not quite d don't have the time or um the I don't know maybe life just gets so busy sometimes yeah, yeah I thought it'd be really lovely to just observe it sit down paint draw sketch um spring summer autumn and winter and it's a beautiful way of acknowledging what you can forage what you can feast on um what grows in what particular seasons yeah. and what doesn't and it's it's all it's really interesting to me to observe each child as well because they see everything completely differently and it's almost like a like a treasure hunt for them they suddenly see the world completely differently and they're like yeah. I can eat that I can paint with that I can draw with that I can 
make a headpiece out of that and you're like yes of course you as long as you don't take too much you take a little yeah. and you you give back to nature then of course you can do flower pressing and there's just endless opportunities with working with the seasons and I think also with setting up um my like six week sessions to go into forest school because I teach four different age groups every week so I have to come up okay. with four different ways of teaching because obviously a, a tiny tot won't want the same thing as a teenager so no there's lots of different ways of weaving it all together but I think it helps me working with a calendar of the seasons to go ah oh, okay so this summer we're going to have blackberries brilliant let's make some mud paints and blackberry paints and that's yeah. I'll bake a cake and bring it in and we can sprinkle it on the top and they can learn what edible flowers there are so we can go and gather them and sprinkle them on our snacks at the end of the day and there's just I think it it helps me as a forest school teacher to keep in sync with the season so I'm teaching yeah. exactly what's happening in nature as well as with within our nature but it also Absolutely. helps the children yeah. observe their entire world and then at the end of the year, they've got this beautiful creation and they've learned so much by doing a tiny bit of a time, each season at a time. That's amazing. I think that's really do beautiful. You, it's so beautiful. Do you, do each of your, so is yours divided into quarters or do you do it into months? Because I, I, I had a look um, when you mentioned it and I know some people do them by month, don't they? Or do you just kind of do it more generally by the seasons? More, I suppose, more generally by the seasons. Um, but then with workshops, keep it to like six weeks at a time. Um, yeah. So say our say spring's already sprung, but our workshops don't start until two weeks into spring. Then I'll I'll say that's the beginning of spring for them. Um, and then for those six weeks, we'll focus on spring, and then there'll be a half term, and then the next six weeks we'll focus on summer. So I kind of do it like flow like that um, yes. in six weeks sections. I think is the simplest yeah. way to do it yeah I was only thinking in case someone listening was going oh that's a good idea I might do it people always like to be a get activity ideas don't they either for yeah well you can find the there are there are tons of phonology wheel templates online but you can also make your own you it's it's really simple just make a circle divide it into four spring summer autumn and winter yeah. and then you go out and you can gather nature's materials or you can paint or draw them and it's an observation wheel so you create it however you'd like to um, and yeah. then just slowly it builds this like earth tapestry that's just beautiful yeah. to learn about and to create oh awesome and <laughs> um, I was gonna say we've kind of I was gonna move on to asking what what the kind of seasonal emphasis looks like in practice but we've kind of discussed it already um no 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 it's great and um, I don't know if there's anything you want to add I was gonna ask whether you find certain age groups kind of engage with this more than others you said that you sometimes work with teenagers like are they also yes. just as enthusiastic as um the younger ones that are doing this kind of thing so it's it's really interesting and I'm I'm kind I'm very fortunate and glad that I work with different age groups because it makes me learn as well I'm not I think if I set to one age group I'd think oh this is the way forest school goes and yeah. I feel with such a variety I can it makes me more adaptable um yeah. and change things quickly and so working with all ages in different environments for instance with tree babies and wild cubs um they are tiny some of them are babies coming with their mums in a sling some of them are tiny tots and it goes to up to three years old yeah. um 
And I feel like that's more of a community project. It's parents' mental health and the way they bond with their child in nature. It's not so much about we must do this workshop or we must complete this at the end of the day. They must have learned that. It's more um, parents talking to each other, their children being absorbed by nature. Like a simple thing as when you put a baby in a hammock, the world, their world completely changes and they're completely in awe and they want to touch the leaves. And when the light dapples through the woods, they're in awe of it. And it's like a nature's kaleidoscope almost. Yeah. And they're getting to see the world um, that they might not have been able to see before. And especially with lockdown, we started doing tree babies and wild cubs um, just as uh, it all eased off. And that was a beautiful and quite an emotional thing because mums had been cooped up and sometimes with their firstborns and they were able to come out and talk to other mums and dads and yeah. be with their babies. And yeah. Yeah. It, it was complete. It was, it's complete therapy for them. So I find that that's more like nature nourishment and there's no pressure on what we must create or make in the day. It's more yeah. about their headspace and them just finding a calm place to be and feel safe and, within and nature that's kind of the beginning of first school principles anyway isn't it like that kind of child yeah. thing one of the things i love about forest school so much is letting go of that expectation to have, you know done this activity or ticked off this and to go okay actually the kids just want to do something completely different today so i guess that's where it starts with the with the parents being able to let it, go and disconnect it really does and that i I mean, I have more often with the older children. So I, with after school clubs, I do between six and 12 years um, okay. and they are wild. Like you'd think at the end of the day, they'd be a little bit sleepy or like not so ready to go. But they are but electric. Sat down all day. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and they're, they're at that age where they're almost you have to be you have to be on it with your knowledge because they're so smart and they question you. And they're like, yeah. so why do you do that? Why do you forage that? What does that do? And you have to, I don't, it, it's really good for my mind because it really keeps me on track. And in, yeah. <laughs> right, we're doing this because of this and this is how we make fire and we need all of these elements. And they're, they're much more absorbed and ecstatic. And I don't know, some of the, some of the schools I go to, they, they don't know about building nat- uh, like natural um, teepees or they don't know about fern thatching or they they don't know how to make fires and that's beautiful because you completely teach from scratch but then you get other schools that are like oh yes we've had a bushcraft man in who's done this and oh yes or they'll they'll just run off and gather materials and you're like oh wow this is amazing so that's completely diverse um but then with the forest school that I work at three to four times a week which is where I spend most of my time that is a completely different ball game because they're vulnerable children most often from foster care um and it's more about them just being outdoors and because um there's mental health involved and because um they are vulnerable children it's a one-on-one session so you go through the day teaching one-on-one children which is completely different because I'm used to teaching like 16 to 20 children by myself and then all of a sudden it's one-on-one so that's completely diverse but they need that consistency and they need that connection um and they need almost like ongoing projects so you might make a wooden stool with them out of reclaimed wood you might make an owl house you might um do gardening uh with them and they can learn how to build a stone wall you might do stone carving um there's 
it's more That's woodwork to build to build walls and all that. like they're, they're quite big projects aren't they some of those yeah they they are big projects but because they come back some some people come twice a week but most people yeah. come once a week they I think they like the stability so they'll come back and yeah. they'll be really proud they'll go look that's what I made a couple of weeks ago or oh my gosh there's a bird in the nest that I made they're more I don't I think because they're because they share a lot with you you know that their lives are quite unstable and unsteady and I think that they yeah. really appreciate the consistency and they see the same faces um they know that they're going to have a lovely time and if they really don't want to do something then I'm completely easy going I'm like cool that's fine well let's go and in, go into let's the woods go, let's yeah. forage some yeah. hazel let's do some whittling let's have a chat and then if you still feel like you don't want to do it let's just continue making something out of wood and it's yeah it's a lot more you've got to see how they present themselves what kind of mood they're in and then go from there because if they're cross or they're upset then you don't give them a axe do you you don't no, you no. give them a more more gentle tool or you get the paints out and you start painting or you go and do identification of trees or mushrooms or it's it's much more to ask actually how you respond when the behavior is slightly more challenging if obviously if they've come from uh traumatic backgrounds and things sometimes they might yeah. have behavioral stuff so kind of how, how do you respond if their behavior is yeah they're so uh, yeah struggling if they're angry or if they're shouting or if they're upset, I n would never raise my voice. And I've no. always, I've got, a, I don't know, I've got a, a very gentle approach. So I'll just sit down with them. And I don't, I think you have to have empathy and you have yeah. to be able to listen and don't be reactive to them. Just gently say, okay, I'm here. And if they're having a hard time and they need some space, respect that, give them their space. Yeah. Um, sometimes I let them just go to the swing for 10 minutes. Um, then I might wander up and say, Are you okay? Should we should we get on with our workshop? And sometimes it's it they don't want to speak to anybody, they just need to have some peace and quiet. Um, and that's fine. But most of the time they come back around within five to ten minutes. Yeah. Um, and you just talk to them. Some workshops they don't even make anything, they're just they're whittling for whittling's sake, they're not really yes. creating anything. They're just it's more like therapy for them they trust you yeah. and they can talk to you um and i and find that that's just talk, as nourishing. when you're doing something with your hands yeah exactly it is exactly and i feel sometimes with teenage boys i think they look at me and go she doesn't know what how to make a fire or you, you they, <laughs> they come up with their like teenager presumptions so as soon as you like put up a tarp or you make a fire or you you use the axe they're like whoa and then they have this newfound <laughs> respect for me <laughs> And that's really nice because it's a way yeah. of bonding and them being like, oh, okay, I can I can do stuff with this person. Yeah. This is lovely. So it's also a good way to kind of break down gender stereotypes, right? If they see, yeah, um, exactly. Uh, it really is. It really is. And they're just I don't. They're just they're just vulnerable children, and they have they have they've had an unfair start to life, and it's just about yeah. being gentle with them and not not telling them what to do and not telling them off, but not letting them get away with anything that's no. really bad but if they want to shout and they need to express themselves then let them it's it's a place for them to do that because yeah they, so need, they you can see they need it and yeah. so you just have to have empathy and you have to be gentle and not be too disheartened if your workshop doesn't go ahead that morning like it's fine as if they've they've had a conversation with you and they feel happier and you've seen them run off and they're playing with the children then you're like that's lovely he didn't come yeah. in that way 
and now he's happy so yeah that's really nourishing for it must be the best feeling in the world for you yeah to to see someone come in it really it really and and see how they grow um and we do this lovely thing at the end of the day called red light green lights they say something they might not have found they might found difficult but then they say something that they really loved about the day and it's a really good way for them to um gather their thoughts about their day and then be like oh that was actually a really good day because they're not really you can tell they're not really like nurtured to think about how they feel so it's really nice to just naturally bring that around for them and then you can just see that they're happy when they leave it feeds into that kind of emotional intelligence doesn't it and um exactly a a colleague of mine is um really into kind of trying to help children with their emotional intelligence and grow and actually the outdoors seems to be a really good space for them to do that um they seem to be more more able to be vulnerable outside Mm. it's it's because well in an environment where everything's vast and you can see the sky and you can see the distance I think it's a lot more well it's less claustrophobic it's more oh I can breathe and if I need to run, I can run, but not, I don't really want to run. I like sitting here and it's calming yes. and yeah. you can hear the birds and you can feel the breeze and the trees above you. I think it's a, it's a safe space for them, but it's also vast. So they could run if they needed to in their minds. Yes. Yeah, yes, yeah. yeah exactly. That kind of fight or flight is slightly yeah. um, calmed because they know that they've got the, that, yeah, that ability to leave if they need to. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Before we start to close up, is there anything about Forest School that you were surprised to discover, if that makes sense, as you've kind of been on this journey? Is there anything that you weren't expecting? That's a really good question. <laughs> um, for me, oh, I'll, oh. I can start while you think, if you like. For me, the thing that surprised me was how hard it was to let go of control when running sessions. I think I mm-hmm. planned sessions and I'd be like, right, we'll get the fire going and then we'll do this and then we'll do this. And uh, I think after the first couple of sessions, one of my colleagues who's been doing it a lot longer said, well, you just need to abandon that plan if they don't want to do it. And that I, I was surprised by how hard it was because I'd seen it being done as an attendee, but I'd not, mm. not had that experience. And I thought, oh, it's actually much harder than I thought to go, all right, we'll just do what you guys want to do, even if that's pushing you around in a wheelbarrow for an hour. Yeah, I... I probably have to agree with that to some extent as well, because I'm with my workshops. I think I think so much and put so much into them. It's Mm. all it's like, I don't know, it's all from my heart and soul. And I'm so like excited to share the term and the workshops ahead. But then, as you say, some children literally just want to go around in a wheelbarrow or climb a treehouse or play in mud. But I but like you say, I've learned that that's absolutely fine and wonderful because they're they are still learning they're still playing they're still growing um and also with workshops you can come back to them and so just keep notes of your spring summer autumn winter if it didn't work that week it might work next week or yeah Yeah. exactly or if it doesn't work with that age group children then it might work with the other group children it's yeah I think it's but also that being a forest school teacher I've realized that there's never anything not to learn more to teach yeah like as much as I teach I also have to learn yeah and I find I find that really wonderful actually that I'm going to have to go through the rest of my life uh, in my career learning before I teach because there's lots I know there's lots there's there's endless stuff I'm teaching and sharing that I'm already so curious about before forest school but there's also so much 
that I can't wait to truly learn myself um, to then teach like willow weaving. I'd love to make baskets and there's, there's literally endless. I could talk about this topic for a long time, but yeah, yeah. I think I'm surprised that there is quite so much involved in forest school and that it can take different routes. Um, it can stay traditional. It can go more ancestral. It can become uh, way more grounded. We can go back to Maori people. We can think about how to, in the future, how is it going to look? Like there's so many ways forest school can go, but there's always a really deep-rooted ancestral meaning to it. And I think if you start there and you go off in your own unique ways as a forest school teacher, you're always going to do well and you're yeah. always going to give an authentic way of teaching and then your everything that is going to grow from the children to you to forest school is it's all natural and authentic and it can it can be adaptive and take quick detours if it needs to I think learning that is really beautiful being more like um just appreciating that things might go slower or might not go the way you wanted them to but then they work and weave in different wonderful ways and I think that's just as beautiful that's a, yeah that's a really lovely thing to finish on oh, oh, okay. <laughs> um, finally I was just going to ask all my guests this questions um yes. first one is how do you relax oh I like this question um so I've I've I rescued a um a dog a puppy six months ago um okay. he's I named him Orpheus and he's oh, a little fine. golden Pyrenees. So he looks like a white wolf. Yeah. Um, and I think since having him in my, li- having him in my life, um, I relax by walks aren't just walks to me anymore. They're like two, three hour excursions and they're <laughs> foraging and seeing the world through his eyes. And like uh, the, the feeling of being in a field full of wildflowers and this puppy is just running wild towards you is like the most nourishing, relaxing feeling. Um, and I think taking care of someone other than yourself is wonderful. Like this, this little soul relies on you. And I f- weirdly find that relaxing. I feel yeah. like I feel contented by caring for people. Um, so like with my loved ones, we all live quite far from each other. Like my dad's just down the road, but most of my family are in Devon. Um, and then my brothers are Brighton and London. So we're all a bit spread out, but I always, like making things like writing letters on my typewriter or making treasure hunts for my niece or um, gathering materials and making things and sending little care packages off to my family. Um, I find that seriously relaxing, just making things in my, in my chalet and just giving them to people. And I have this, I, I, I can't help it, but when I meet people or go and see people, I have to take a handmade treasure um, I was just about to say, it sounds like your love language is kind of craft and um, gift yes. giving. Yes, it really, it really, yeah. it really is. And I don't expect anything in return. I just love, like, if if you potter off to a little charity shop and you find a book about um, graphic design for my brother, then I'll like draw him a little sketch and put it in a notebook and send it off to him. And I like the idea of, I don't know, but just loved ones having the big smile on their face by something yes. you've made found and I think that's really lovely to relax yeah yeah a really lovely way to relax (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah and also larking like going foraging for pottery in like streams and fields uh, finding wild bouquets um I think I just 
I don't know, the mundane, I make magical in my own little ways. And I think that's where the magic is. And I think, I, I, I don't know, I just, I feel like it's really important to share the beauty in the mundane because it's what we're all able to yes. hold on to. So if you yeah, can find absolutely. the magic in that, then it's, then you're not disappointed or you're not spending your life expecting big things. You're just, you're, you're fanatical about um, a dinner that you foraged. Yes. Or yeah. you're fanatical about a, um, a gathered bouquet in your front room that you've gathered whilst walking with your friend along the yeah. coast or, I don't know. I think there's, there's lots of magic in the mundane and I'm always curious to find that. And I find that the most relaxing thing or coming home with a pocket full of pottery. That's magic. <laughs> I'm, I'm totally and, with you. I, I love being outside <laughs> and when it's dark and you suddenly stop and go, Oh, look at the stars and make everyone around yeah. and go, look, just look up for a second. <laughs> it's, cold. it's beautiful. <laughs> it is. It's wonderful. And it's, yeah. Or just finding, um, I don't know, like when it's the full moon, I like going for a nighttime walk. So just, at dusk when you can hear that nature's going to sleep I find yeah. that really soothing and then the moon's full and I don't you just you just feel like you're in nature's world and it you're not impacting or affecting its world it's it's just able to be itself and you're yeah. lucky enough to be this tiny little pixie experience there like experiencing their world without affecting it just quietly yeah. observing it I think that's really beautiful yeah so too. there are a few ways that I like to relax <laughs> they're all lovely ways to relax um what are you you reading or listening to right now so it could be books or podcasts or music okay well oh gosh all of it um (laughs) so in terms of books I find it really difficult to stick to one book because I have different moods different I don't know different feelings all the time so say I don't know if you've heard of um, a book called A Well-Garden Mind by Uh, Sue Stewart-Smith Okay. Well, it's um that's normally something I'll read in the morning and it's about this lady who's been a lifelong gardener and she's done a lot of research on Maori people and soil wizards and how things were nurtured back in the day and like the alchemy of nature and rituals and how important it is for humans to just get their hands in the soil. Yeah. Um and it's very mental health focused. It's very nourishing. It's just it's the simplicity of life that we can all do and adapt to, to help us. Um, And it's a huge book. It's huge. And I've read it a couple of times and I'm going back to it because I just find it so nourishing. Um, And there is also another book. I'm I'm in a bit of a going back to books. I love phase at the moment. So I'm reading women, women who run with wolves. Have you heard of that? I have heard of that. Yes. (laughs) Of course you have. It's, um, it's wonderful. It's, I'm yeah I'm I'm so in awe of the, the wolf family and I, I met a real wolf pack last summer um after oh, losing mom. it was incredible I just I just I've wanted to meet Sean Ellis and his wolves for a very and Kim for a very long time and it finally happened and it kind of happened at a really poignant time because I just lost my um family dog Rufus um oh, who was our in- entire world thank you um and Orpheus was born two days before we lost Rufus which I also found quite uh celestial and connected um but going to see this wolf family uh there was a group of six of us and they everyone was in couples and I was on my own and 
uh, Kim said to me, are you sure you want to sit at the front? There will be literally be 10 wolves running at you. And I wasn't, I, I can't, I can't explain it, but I thought before I went that I was going to be a little bit frightened. But I yeah. sat in that field and I was like so ready. It was like I'd been preparing my whole life for this moment. And yeah. I just sat there really calmly um, and they just come towards you. But they're very, they don't run at you like dogs, like puppies. They they observe you and watch you and they like cr like magnificently crawl around you and they like smell you and they're really sussing you out and they're, you can tell they're seeking your soul. It's really, it's an intense feeling, but I was completely in awe of them. And there was two brothers, Mackenzie and Viper, and they're big, white, magnificent wolves. Um, and they wanted to mark their territory on me and Kim went to tell them off. Um, and she just said, that's the highest compliment a wolf can pay you um, to oh, mark wow. their territory because they're, they're welcoming you into their wolf pack. Yeah. Um, I just found that wonderful. Anyway, I'm really focused on this about <laughs> books and I've gone on to wolves, but I'm going back to women who run with wolves yes. and... There's this mystical, magical feeling that I have in my soul. And I know that a lot of women feel, especially feel connected to wolves, but I feel as humans, there is endless things to learn from wolves, like how they treat their family, how they treat their elders, how yeah. they nurture their young ones. There's just, there's like endless beauty. And I just love going back to this book because it's nourishing and wonderful. And it feels really similar to my own way of being. So that's books. And that took quite yeah. a while to... <laughs> to talk about um music wise my goodness my music is endless but I always find that I come back to Johnny Flynn do you know Johnny Flynn no I don't so he's like a, he's a folk musician but he's also like a gentle activist I'd call him okay he's I, I almost too pure for this world he's wonderful and He's a musician, but he talks about nature as if he is nature and from their perspective. Um, and he recently created an album in lockdown with Robert McFarlane, who's also a favourite author of mine. Yeah. Um, and they created this um, album called Lost in the Cedarwood. And it's all about being nature, being connected to nature. Um, the raw sadness of it and the galactic magic of it. It was like it's a real roller coaster of emotions and I just find like I go back to his voice because it's like harrowingly beautiful and pure um, oh, and, and all his words are meaning. There's meaning to everything and there's a beautiful story behind it all. So I find that he's someone I often drift back to when I'm like need nourishment or I don't know. I feel like every emotion I feel I can always go to Johnny Flynn. Oh, amazing. Um, Some good recommendations. And then, <laughs> <laughs> and then podcast wise, there's a few, there's, um, there's, there's something called Dream Greaming, dream, sorry, Green Dreaming okay. and Tree Radicals. And it's all ecologists, gardeners, like earth-rooted folk talking about yeah. what needs to be done and what is being done for nature. Um, and I find that really brilliant because I'll just download a podcast, pop in my headphones and take Orpheus for a walk in the evening and on, yeah. in the morning. And it's just a really good way to learn. Yeah. Um, when you when life's a bit busy, it's a brilliant time to on a dog walk just to just to listen to these lovely conversations going on about people and it, it gives me hope as well um because there's a lot we're shown that isn't hopeful so I think it's important to like make sure you're also yeah, listening to hopeful out the hope way and, yeah, yeah exactly um but one of my favorite podcasts is called ologies 
um, I can't remember who the lady Anne Anne Ward, I think. So okay. she but she talks about anything ology wise. So okay. like lupinology, which is wolves, cabinology, cabins, um, etymology, talismans, like anything with ology yeah. on it, she'll get someone oh, in to talk about that topic. It's fantastic. It's fantastic, it's, yeah. It really and then you're like you come away and you've listened about how cabins were formed and how they're built, and you're like, wow. This is fantastic. I'm absolutely going to put that one on my listen list. Yeah, honestly, it's one. She's got so many podcasts, um, and you just you might have something that, like, you go on a walk and you'll be like, "Wow, what a lovely cabin!" But you don't really think much more than that, maybe. But you listen to a podcast and you completely appreciate a topic for what it truly is. Yeah, and it's just a really lovely way to delve deeper into something you're really curious about. Oh, amazing! Um, I think yeah. Good. Well, there's a couple of books, a couple of podcasts, and a musician. Well, yeah, amazing. Um, <laughs> and so finally, yeah. um, why is being outdoors important to you? Oh, oh gosh, my phone went off at the same time. There. Sorry about that. <laughs> Thought I'd put it That's all okay. <laughs> I'm quite surprised mine hasn't. So it's okay. It's fine. <laughs> um, so personally, why is nature? Oh gosh, nature and being outdoors important to me. I think it's also almost vital. I think yeah. I have to be outdoors the majority of my day. Um, and I feel so much better in myself and so much better it, with everything just by being outside. I feel I'm my most natural and happiest state when I'm entirely raw. I can be elvish. I can be deep rooted to nature. I can forage. I can frolic. I can be curious. And I can just appreciate the world that we're in and it's what did I say the other day um the other day I said um it's like watching an ancient theatre of nature unfold in the most beautiful way it's a way of uh you're able to observe nature and not yeah. interrupt it you can just be really tr- truly grateful for it yeah and I feel like a lot of people look up to people um but I, I tend to look at, well, people that I look up to are my family and the people I love. Um, but looking up to wise, I honestly, I'm so in awe of trees and birds and yeah. g- genuinely am. Like, how does this tie, like, I've got so into nests recently and how they're formed and how each bird creates their own nest from sage and rosemary and moss and lichen and bracken, like, each intricate I thought nest was a nest you gather your materials and you make your home but for for birds like a a house sparrow their house is chaotic and messy and they gather anything and everything and it's brilliant it's like an expressive art piece but then a wren is the most delicate tiny woven nest it's like when you hold a fallen nest in your hands it's it's the most beautiful feeling because this tiny thing is actually so much more profound and holds so much meaning to it and you're able to experience that um and it I I just feel like it's vital and I feel like because I teach in nature it's almost emotional to think about because I'm so lucky to do that yeah um and I feel like I couldn't be anywhere else now like because I'm now a forest school teacher I can't I can't imagine ever going back indoors yeah I can't I couldn't do it to myself. Um, no. And I love being indoors. I'm a real hermit sometimes. I love being <laughs> cosy with a book and snuggling my wolf dog all night. I, d- I, I love it. I love being a hermit and I love 
I love home and that feeling because that's also so important. I think that's as important as nature, having your yeah. safe space. And yes, um, yeah. that's that is as important as nature. But I feel like I don't know. I just hope that the how I see nature, I hope hopefully that um, is felt by other people so that they start to if they don't already appreciate, they start to like with children. Um, I don't know. It made me laugh the other day because one of the teenagers um my colleague was talking about hedgerows and that we're going to do the next term on hedgerows and apparently I was looking at her in deep awe like a and one of the teenagers called me like the woman Peter Pan and he was like <laughs> you're just completely absorbed if as soon as anyone talks about nature you're just like nothing else matters you're just completely <laughs> enraptured in it and it made me but, giggle because that's exactly what I am like and but if you're I that know, passionate, I just... then the children that you're working with and they're gonna you soak up that passion because that's how it works yeah. isn't it? like they they soak up the people around them and what they're into yeah exactly and I feel with having Orphe now um every morning every night we're going for a walk and every day I'm working outdoors I I'm re I'm rarely indoors and in, in, until I'm getting cozy in the evening after a, a long hard day um and I just I don't know I just I feel like our inner nature the nature around us and the nature in others to nurture it all because it is all the same thing it's all yeah you've got to nurture one to feel the effects to another yes. and everything grows and everything is entwined. And I don't like yeah. the simple thing as growing a flower. You have to sow your seeds, you have to grow it, you have to nurture it. And it's the same with people. And it's the same with anything you put your time and energy into. It has to be authentic and it has to be gentle and meaningful for it to be, to bloom into something really beautiful. Yes. Yeah. Otherwise it's, it's not real. And I think, there's there's real magic in that and that's yeah, what I hope absolutely. to bring oh yeah. it sounds like you are and um for anyone that's listening that wants to see kind of what you're getting up to where can they find you on I mean I know we're focusing on the outdoors but if they're having a browse on Instagram <laughs> want to see see what you're getting up to what, what's your work Instagram handle so my work Instagram is where wildlings flow but it's where underscore wildlings underscore flow brilliant um and that's where all my forest school work is. Oh, well, thank you so much for joining me today. And yeah, to those that's listening, go, go and check out Molly on Instagram. And uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I, I look forward to uh, following and seeing more of your your wolfy and uh, lovely uh, <laughs> adventures. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. It's been really lovely speaking to you. It's been it's been as nourishing as it is as a day in the forest. It's just talking about nature sometimes is just wonderful, isn't it? Yeah, and, absolutely. Yeah. And for you as well, working with the outdoors group is you just seem like the loveliest, wildest, very together group of people that have the same. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know always got it together, but um, yeah, I, d I definitely think that that passion kind of about the outdoors and sharing it with uh, everyone that we meet is kind of what drives us forward. So, uh, yeah. yeah. That was wonderful. Oh, thank you so much, Molly. It was a real pleasure. Thank you so much for having Thanks, me, Hannah. Sir. Thanks so much for joining me again today, Molly. I really enjoyed our conversation. I hope that those of you out there enjoyed it just as much. If you're interested in finding out more about Forest School Leader Training, you can head over to our website at outdoorsgroup.co.uk forward slash training. Uh, if not, please just give us a like, a rate, a subscribe as always, just to share the podcast further um, and come back in a fortnight for our next conversation. Thanks for listening.